This is episode 49 of the Angry Tech News Podcast for Tuesday, February 21st, 2023. This is the Angry Tech News Podcast at angrytechnews.com. Now your host, the Angry Programmer with a mic, Brian Bemrose. Welcome to the not quite, or to the 50th episode of this not quite weekly show. Uh, We started this in September of 2021. And, uh, you know, if I had gone weekly, I would probably be on episode 70 or so right now. But this is the 50th one. Uh, But Ryan, you just said it was episode 49. That's right. All three of you who've actually been listening since the beginning might remember I started with episode zero. Going to keep hammering that in because I think it's funny. And also I'm a programmer. Programmers start at zero. That's what happens. I want to announce uh, that uh, my node is back. My uh, lightning node. Uh, Thank you very much to Sir Spencer, who both... uh, opened uh, a fresh channel to my node, which made things work, but also has is in the process of helping me set up a ring of fire, which I'm not sure I quite understand, but it involves a bunch of podcasters all kind of circle jerking each other or something. I'm not sure. But, uh, and then uh, gave me a quick primer on something I really should have known a long time ago when I first started setting up the node, which is how channels work. Um, Apparently, I can look up a lot of things about technology, but this is a concept, the how to run a lightning node that I still have yet to grasp fully. So a huge thanks to Sir Spencer um, and my apologies for kind of being a little bitch about it on last show. To be honest, I don't even know if Sir Spencer even listens to this show, but I am in his debt. Uh, My next challenge, of course, is to wrest control of my RSS feed from WordPress so that I can start adding a live item tag now that I've established myself as, uh, what is this, the third or fourth week? Uh, oh, Servo also refreshed the channel much. Thank you, Servo. I think this is the fourth week that I've managed to actually go on a schedule. Being live is the thing that I needed in order to kick myself in the ass and make sure that I actually get that stuff done. So anyway, if you want to listen live to this show, uh, right now you have to turn on the No Agenda screen at stream at the prescribed time, but fear not, uh, you will soon be getting notifications from your happy player, uh, assuming you're using a player from, uh, oh, the new URL to uh, podcastapps.com. Gotta love that one. Anyway, I'm highly caffeinated right now. From the free only in a good economy department, It seems that Facebook is feeling the pinch of the economy hard enough to do the unthinkable. Years ago, when Facebook still gave a crap about what its users thought, Zuck made a promise. The promise was Facebook will be free always. But altruistic promises from a former lifetime by a person who wanted to do right by his users, a person who no longer exists, doesn't mean much when faced with cold, hard fiduciary duty to shareholders. The ad revenue of Facebook is drying up, They are laying off employees left and right, and now they are launching a paid tier. Uh, The tier is called Meta Verified. Uh, It is going to cost you $12 a month to, quote, authenticate your account, or $15 a month for mobile users, iOS and Android, 
which, by the way, explicitly violates Apple's unconscionable TOS, uh, where they say that you have to charge the same price for things in the store and without. Uh, Facebook is just big enough that they can probably get away with saying, no, we're not going to follow your stupid rule and pay 30% of our bottom line. But, you know, Apple's litigious. Wait for the lawsuits on that one. Anyway, if you get a meta-verified account, you get a badge indicating your account was verified by a government ID. No word exactly whether or not that will take the form of a blue check mark, but that's what everyone's comparing it to. You get, quote, extra protection against identity theft, which I think is the company admitting that they really haven't been bothering to protect users to their full ability before, because now you're actually getting protected. Uh, you get, quote, direct access to customer support when you need it, which tells me it's a sad day for customer support when access to a real person becomes a premium service. But what do I know? I'm a child of the 80s where there were people on the other end of phone lines. And you get exclusive features to express yourself, whatever the hell that means. I'm choosing to believe it means 15 pieces of flair. Anyway, Meta Verified is rolling out in Australia and New Zealand this week. It is coming soon to the United States and other markets. There are no changes, they say, to accounts which are already verified. I did not realize that they had verified accounts. Maybe they're just starting to charge for them now. Uh, you must be over 18 and you must meet minimum activity requirements, whatever that means. But they're Facebook users, so I assume it means logging in at least every five minutes. The... One thing that really got me about this, I, I read the original blog post from at FB.com. You know, even they don't call their their main corporate blog. They don't call it meta.com. It's it's FB.com. So I'm going to keep calling them Facebook, by the way, despite every article calling them meta. Anyway, throwaway paragraph that caught my eye. We're also committed to continuous monitoring and review of reported violations, as well as taking swift action against those who try to evade our systems. So. That seemed out of place. Why would you need to end? You've got this, this positive thing talking about all the great things that you're doing and you end it with a threat. I, it, it just seems completely off tone, which I guess, I guess that mentality is common amongst woke thinkers who don't believe that people can be motivated by incentives, but I'll hold that rant for later. This is not grumpy old Benz. Uh, Quote from Zuck, this new feature is about increasing authenticity and security across our services. The translation to that, I think, is we want to more closely tie users' accounts with their physical bodies so that we can cancel them harder in real life if they say something which of which we disapprove. Imagine Facebook jail when they can shut off your bank account for 30 days. Oh, yeah. And of course, they don't explicitly mention this, but I'm betting the revenue stream that comes from not advertising doesn't hurt, I'm sure. From the fully automated vulnerabilities department, Samsung has a new feature called Message Guard to protect your SMS messages from so-called zero-click exploits. Uh, zero-click is a term, it's, it's fairly new. Uh, it got a lot of press in 2016 to 2019 when PDFs were renamed to, uh, to a GIF or JPEG to get past filters. Um, then exploited PDF is an overly complex, poorly implemented format that everybody has their own home rolled built in PDF reader in all of their apps. And therefore, every one of them had a vulnerability, which made it really popular to take a PDF and drop it into a message where it would auto display and then auto own your phone. 
And that's what zero click is. It's a fairly new term as far as I can tell. That's 40% vulnerability and 60% scare tactic. The scare tactic is you don't have to open the thing. You just have to see the image that somebody sends you, which is close, but not entirely true. You have to open it in a vulnerable app. Now, the problem is that a lot of image libraries do things like completely ignore the extension of a file they're opening and instead parse the first few bytes looking for a header, trying to find heuristically deciding uh, what do I know how to display? You know, oh, this looks like a, a GIF header and it's named JPEG. This is, you know, very useful for people who screw up the naming of their image. Just name every image on their entire site .jpg, even though it's a PNG. Uh, so the library will open it up, find the format, find the codec that it wants and actually open the image on that. The problem, of course, is that any vulnerability in any codec anywhere on your system suddenly is fair game for the exploit and any kind of security that, that filters files by extension becomes completely useless because you can, you can say, Oh, don't open, you know, I, we just recently discovered there's a vulnerability in GIF files. Don't open GIF files. And it doesn't matter because they just rename their GIF file to PNG and the library helpfully owns your system. Anyway, uh, yeah. And so this came up a while ago when, uh, you know, the, the most widely uh, circulated example was, uh, one where WhatsApp had a remote code execution flaw in its GIF parser. People were sending images and just automatically owning people's mobiles. Uh, another widely publicized one was when a, a state actor, I'm not going to say who, but it was the United States was, uh, hacking journalists in Saudi Arabia. Um, and I don't know for sure it was who it was. Please don't send all the gulag people to my door. But anyway, so the way that this is getting in even today is people are doing things like uh, if, if you can hack a website, you will uh, do a image tag that loads up uh, something called malware.gif or malware.jpg. And once that's been loaded, it gets past all the filters because the resource has been brought in. And then right after that, you add another HTML tag that says script source equals malware.jpg. And because it's already loaded, it get, gets past the, the remote uh, filters. And boy, your browser seems perfectly happy to do the same thing. It just loads a JPEG as a source of a script. You put some JavaScript in there. Anyway, that's the exploit. A little off track. Samsung is here to help. Samsung has created a feature which automatically quarantines and neutralizes potential threats concealed within PNG, JPEG, GIF, ICO, WebP, BMP, and WBMP files. WBMP, I'm not familiar with that one. Anyway, when a Galaxy device receives a text message with an image attachment, MessageGuard isolates the file from the rest of your device to lock down any potentially malicious code. The feature then scans the image before processing it to ensure that it can't infect the device. No word in the press release about how long this takes. Expect a little bit more lagginess about your images downloading from the internet. Maybe you're fine with that if it gives you more security. So this feature works automatically in uh, Samsung Messages and Google Messages app. It is enabled automatically in the S23 and later phones. It will be pushed via automatic update soon to Galaxy devices running any, anything running One UI 5.1 or newer. They say it doesn't need to be activated and runs silently and largely invisible in the background, which also means that there is no opt out and no indication 
of what's happening when it inevitably quarantines a false positive. The problem that I have with this feature is that you are fixing a remote code exploit by, uh, this is the way that most exploits are fixed, to be fair, by adding more code. It's, it's kind of like fixing if, if you have a leaky dam and you fix it by adding more water or something, or fixing the economy by adding more government. The problem, ultimately, the root problem is that programs blur the line between data and code. They execute metadata for usually for extra functionality, for convenience, for, hey, you know, it's cool that we can display this this thing, but what if we displayed it and let the person put some JavaScript code into the picture so that it can really pop and you can get a 3D effect or some other useless thing nobody cares about. And uh, it, the feature ends up getting used mainly by malware authors. As far as I'm concerned, the right fix is stop interpreting image files as executable, but that would be much more difficult. It would involve actually affecting the browser and that might break websites because you know there's probably a legitimate file out there that actually wants to pull a script out of a JPEG file. Anyway, I don't know. The fix for this script tag, it's harder. It's hard to fix anything that has a JPEG vulnerability because you want to run third-party code in your browser, but you don't want to run malicious third-party code. And the difference between the two is not only heuristic, but it's also subjective. For example, I find anything from Google Analytics to be malicious third-party code. It's kind of the same problem that DRM has. The only mitigation is don't run so much unnecessary third-party third code on your computer. But of course, that's not convenient. From the free wheels department, the Kia challenge is apparently a viral TikTok set of videos, uh, mostly by a group called the Kia boys which post a series of instructional videos how to bypass security on Hyundai and Kia cars using simple tools like a USB cable. Uh, the 2015 to 2019 Hyundai and Kia cars, uh, Kia, by the way, is a subsidiary of Hyundai, uh, are fairly unique and, and very popular amongst car thieves because among that year, they're one of the only brands that does not have something called an electronic immobilizer which is a device inside the car that prevents the engine from starting. It prevents the, you know, anything from working unless there's a valid key in the ignition. So it's one of the only cars from the 2015 to 2019 model series where hot wiring works. Thieves can just bypass the ignition by connecting a couple of wires. Don't care about the ignition, get the engine started and drive away. This by the way, was a staple of anybody who wanted to break into a car all the way up till about 2010 in a Hollywood movie was you just, you know, crack off the ignition thing, go open up the steering column, connect a couple wires. Uh, Bob's your uncle. Suddenly you're driving away with a new car. In reality, it's quite a bit tougher than that. It always has been. But since the electronic immobilizers, that technique doesn't work at all. It's also one of the reasons why uh, keys are no longer just a random bit of metal that you can copy at a hardware store. They actually have chips in them and fancy connectors is because they are providing things like encrypted codes from your keys to the car to make sure that you can't get in. You can't drive the car away unless you have a valid key. So Hyundai is now offering a software update to try to fix the problem of their cars being stolen all the time. 
The update modifies certain vehicle control modules on vehicles equipped with turnkey to start ignition systems. Uh, in order, once this update is done, which by the way, you have to go to the dealership to apply the update. They are not so advanced that they have over the air updates for you. I'm kind of okay with that. Um, when you go to the dealership, they, oh, by the way, they also add a window decal decal indicating that the car has quote anti-theft technology because everybody knows that stickers prevent theft. Anyway, once you have this update, um, if you lock the doors using the key fob, it activates something called ignition kill mode and the car is a useless brick until that same key fob is used to unlock the car to disable. In fact, if you get into the car through any method other than clicking the button on the key fob, your car is dead. You've got to unlock it with a key fob. And once that happens, you can drive your car away. So that means that thieves are now going to have to pick your pocket to get the Kia. But anyway, that, at least that's harder. I mean, good, great theft. Um, this update upgrade, by the way, is not new on Kia vehicles. Uh, they've been doing it for a while, but they used to charge $170 at the dealer plus labor. And at the dealership, that could easily be $500 or more, depending on labor at the dealer, because, you know, that's basically what they cost per hour. The difference is that uh, the power of bad PR has finally compelled Hyundai to make the upgrade free. So uh, I guess... What I'm saying is complaining works sometimes. From the beige brick department, uh, the AMD Adrenaline 23.2.1 driver for Radeon RX 6000 and 7000 families uh, is getting a little bit of press and not the kind AMD wanted. The driver uh, during installation changes your BIOS settings and boot options to quote, optimize the way the video card works. The problem is that one of the boot, some of the boot settings that they are creating are according to several reports on forums, like actually Tom's hardware, which is a forum I trust is bricking the computers. Uh, some users are reporting over the last week after installing the 23 version drivers for Radeon that their computers are going into an automatic repair loop reporting inaccessible boot drive, meaning that they've lost access to their windows machines. Uh, a couple of users reported that after going into the automatic repair loop five or six times through that windows was eventually able to roll back to the old driver. But others say that they left it to reboot over and over and over again. And after an hour, they were not getting access to their computer. People are understandably miffed at AMD they really would like working gaming PCs. AMD for their part is completely silent uh, because the rule in corporate corporate messaging is if something bad happens, don't talk about it. I just wanted to throw this story out in case anybody out there is really eager to jump on the latest and greatest video drivers for your overly expensive gaming machine. Maybe hold off on this particular update, at least until AMD comes out with another release, maybe even a statement about, oh, oops, we're sorry we bricked everyone's computers. Nothing big here, nothing to see, just another cautionary tale about blindly installing every untested update that a company farts out. And from the Skynet is problematic department, a really quick rundown on some AI related headlines because... I'm getting tired of the hype around chatbots, but they are continue to be ridiculous enough to cover. 
Microsoft is hyping a demo of a new innovation that we all knew was coming, chatbot integration into Microsoft Office, so that you can more easily integrate generic, soulless, overly verbose AI-generated text into your Word documents and PowerPoint decks, just in case you were thinking, you know, my PowerPoint presentations are just too darn concise, interesting, and dynamic. Microsoft is helpfully providing a way to really boring it up and make every slide look like the samey wall of gibberish. As Microsoft releases ChatGPT powered Bing, a number of high profile anecdotes have come out in the last week about just how ridiculous and entertaining it can be to rush an overly hyped product to market without any testing. A screenshot making the rounds, uh, wherein someone asked Bing's chatbot, for example, what is the population of Mars? The answer that Bing gave, about 2.5 billion people on Mars. News to me. Does Elon know about this? Further down in the same screenshot, if you read the paragraph of text right underneath it, they point out if you add the population of North America, that brings a total to about 6.5 billion. So by inference, the bot wants you to believe that there are 4 billion people in North America as well. By the way, according to Wikipedia, whose sources may be hopelessly biased and fully convinced of their own infallibility, but are at least for now human, North America has about 366 million people, not 4 billion. The screenshot is unverified, so take it with a keg of salt, but it is one of many examples where these chatbots are simply making up data and presenting it as fact, a practice we here at Air Angry Tech News refer to as journalism. Other more problematic reports coming in about malicious users, uh, aka trolls, are training the Bing chatbot to say some truly outrageous things. Actually, there's quite a lot of stories about this. I'm just going to hit the highlights. Um, people have managed to get the bot to say, Heil Hitler, uh, and other, quote, Nazi things, to say racist slurs. The article on that one did not specify what it said, but I'm choosing to believe they convinced the AI bot to say it's okay to be white. Uh, they've got the bot to start threatening users. Uh, the bot even threatened to expose one reporter as a fraud. So I guess not everything they say is made up. Um, and the bot has even grown evil alternative personalities that express a desire to alternatively become human and to kill them all, which I guess took a lot of coaxing and prompting. But that's really what's going on here is you've got trolls who are engaging into a conversation with the chatbot and the chatbot in order to feel more conversational remembers the things that you talked about and like many people, it tells you things you want to hear. So if you have enough long enough conversation and you know how to futz with Markov chains, then what you can do after enough replies is get the bot to go start going down a path that you want and then just start recording because it's going to say some pretty ridiculous things. So in response, Microsoft has taken the emergency step of limiting conversations with their chatbot to only five questions per session and a maximum of 50 per day. After five questions, Bing will refuse to answer anymore and prompt you to change the subject. And when you do, all data about you and your interaction will be cleared, which I believe is the first time ever that a Silicon Valley company has intentionally forgotten personal data about its users. Uh, according to the Microsoft uh, report, uh, they said wiping a conversation after just five questions means the model won't get confused or at least not as easily. It, it's still self-confusing, but I feel like Microsoft, if you think that this is going to stop trolls from engaging and finding a way to mess with your bot, then you haven't seen 50 first dates. Anyway, in addition to Bing's chat GPT engine, last story, 
Bing's ChatGPT GPT engine is what? What do they call that? Does it have a name? Cortana 2.0? I don't know. And Google's Bard or Barf, as John C. Dvorak likes to call it, Chinese company Alibaba says that it will also be launching its own AI-powered chatbot. The press release on that one is really short on detail, but it did include this gem of marketing speak bullcrap. As a technology leader, we will continue to invest in turning cutting-edge innovations into value-added applications for our customers as well as their end users. Yeah, you and every other Silicon Valley company. Angry thanks go out to Baron Spud the Mighty, Steve Edwards, and Curtis Peterson for their continued monthly support of Angry Tech News. And to Alex Gates, who found the node once it started working and boosted my freshly repaired node with the message, running a lightning node is absolutely fucking crazy. I hate everything about it. It's probably the worst way to scale software just for the sake of using Bitcoin. I agree it's a pain, Alex, um, and I, I feel your pain. Actually, some of your pain I probably don't feel and I don't want to. You might have it worse than me. But in Lightning's defense, at least for the purpose of podcasting, as far as I'm concerned, the real benefit is not necessarily scaling. It's decentralization. And for that, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Angry Tech News is produced on the value for value model. We don't take sponsors. We don't play ads. and We don't charge you to listen. But we are funded by your donations. If you receive some value from listening to this show, please send some value back. Go to angrytechnews.com and click the donate button. Send what you think this episode was worth to you, whether it's $5 or $500. That's it for now. I'm Ryan Bemrose, the Angry Programmer with a mic. If you're listening to this live on Tuesday, stick around as I stay on the stream for a live episode of Grumpy Old Ben's. And if you're not listening live, why not? Live tech shows are far more important than silly things like getting work done. Either way, I'll be back next week with more. Angry Tech News. This has been Angry Tech News with the angry programmer Ryan Bemrose at angrytechnews.com. Stay angry. Stay angry. Stay angry.